This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You do not choose me, but I choose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give to you. This is what I command you. Love one another. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, God, it's a a blessing, a joy to gather with your people today. On the eve of the day that we celebrate you giving us your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that, God, your word would penetrate our hearts, would connect to the deepest parts of us, that we might have Christ at the center of our lives, that we would walk with him and the love he gives us And we would, in turn, give that love to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All Advent season, we've been talking about the various gifts that God has given us through Jesus Christ. And so today, we get to talk about love. That Jesus gives us love. And uh, I think at Christmas time... Uh, more than maybe other times of the year, we, uh, we feel love in special ways. Uh, in fact, uh, it's easier to give and to receive love, I think, this time of year. Even if we've got some, maybe some things in life that we're not happy about or some relationships that are strained uh, or some difficulties we're going through, at Christmas time, love kind of overshadows some of those things. I think about my own uh, experiences of Christmas as a kid. We, uh, our tradition as a family, we would gather at my grandmother's house on Christmas Eve. That was our Christmas time as a family. All of my aunts, uncles, cousins, uh, we would all pile into my grandmother's house. And she, being a good southern grandmother, had cooked all of the delicious foods that we would enjoy. Uh, what sticks in my mind is not only the, the delicious pies, but she always had this big pot of stew. It was just sitting on the wood stove, and uh, just that smell of the stew, and uh, that brings me right back to, uh, to Christmas Eve nights. And so we would, we would gather in there, we would eat, we would laugh, and the kids would listen to the grown-ups tell stories of what they had done in the past. And for me, it was listening to my dad, uncle, and granddad talk about hunting and, and uh, just the, the wonderment of the night. And then gathering around a tree, sharing gifts. Uh, even though our family was not very affectionate, we didn't say I love you much with words or even uh, with physical affection, but especially on nights like that, love was felt. Love was there. Love was obvious. And so I hope that that is the same experience that you have, uh, that especially at this time of year, the love of Christ just comes forward and is at the center of, of your experience. So Jesus gives us love. We think about that 
in, the, in these verses, Jesus is talking about he gives us a love to receive and a love to give. And those are connected. So Jesus gives us a love to receive and a love to give. And first of all, Jesus describes this love that he gives to us, that it is a love like no other. Jesus gives us a love like no other. Uh, in, chapter, in verse 12 of what we just read, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And I want to stop there and just, just think about this. This isn't that kind of love that maybe we, uh, we are so comfortable with, that, that warm, fuzzy feeling of love that everything is just turned out right. Does anybody like watching Christmas movies? Yes. Love watching Christmas movies. Uh, is anybody's favorite movie The Grinch? How the Grinch stole Christmas? How about uh, a Christmas Carol or a Christmas Story? If you want to go another direction, yeah. Uh, Home Alone is one of our family favorites, yeah. And then, um, and then you've got who knows how many others. I was talking to a family last night after our Christmas uh, Eve of the Eve service, and they were telling me they had a list of like forty Christmas movies, and they had been working their way all December through all of those. Well, I actually don't think I've watched one whole Christmas movie yet this year. Uh, that, that's a shame. But those, those Christmas movies almost all have something in common. Toward the end of that movie, everything starts to come together. Uh, relationships are mended. The problems get solved. And they, there's this switch when everything starts to feel warm and fuzzy. Maybe a little tear dribbles down. You're just, uh, you're, it makes you appreciate life, your family, those close to you, and you just get those feels, right? That's not exactly the kind of love that we're talking about when we say Jesus gives us love. Now, hopefully, there are times in our experience with Christ that we do feel that. But if that's all the love that Jesus gave us, we would, we would still be lost and hopeless in our sins. He says, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And so he says, as I have loved you. When I think about as I have loved you, I think about that Jesus was sent on a rescue mission. That's the love that Jesus has for us, a love to rescue. I re- recently have uh, started enjoying learning about some extreme rescues, uh, rescuing people off the sides of mountains uh, during blizzards, uh, rescuing people that get lost caving, and so they get uh, deep in an unexplored cave and get stuck and have to be rescued. But one of the, one of the scariest uh, scenarios for me is when someone has gone cave diving, like you're underwater, under the earth, in caves. I have no idea why anyone <laughs> would conceive of doing that, let alone carrying that out. And then they get trapped and they get stuck. And it's not for hours or days later that pe- the people miss them and they have to go in and, and find them and, and bring them out. 
some really harrowing but heroic kinds of stories. And you probably remember the one from 2018, uh, the, the, the cave rescue that was uh, world-renowned and draw all, drew all the world's attention for a couple of weeks. It was uh, in Thailand, the, the young soccer, junior high soccer player boys. After soccer practice, they, their assistant coach decided uh, to go into this really popular cave in the area. And they climbed way back in the cave uh, and were kind of enjoying a little area that uh, was kind of a little beach area deep back in the cave. Well, they didn't know that the rains that come every summer came three weeks early. So they thought it was nice and safe. They crawled way back in that cave. But the floodwaters started pouring while they were in the cave. And they got trapped. And they couldn't make their way out. And so uh, that night when the boys didn't come home from uh, soccer practice, uh, the parents got worried. And they called the authorities. And after all the investigation, they found all their bicycles at the entrance of that cave. And so it didn't take long for them to realize uh, that they were back there. And the waters had risen, so it cut off the passage. And it took several more days and calls all over the world to get some expert divers who could go into the cave and go all the way back and find them. You know how long they were in there till they were found? Nine days. And then it took another eight days for them to figure out a plan to bring them out safely. Because you have these junior high boys that have never scuba dived in their life to have to make a four-hour journey underwater in scuba gear. So they had to come up with this really elaborate but eventually successful plan in this rescue mission. And in fact, one of the rescuers, uh, a Thai Navy SEAL, gave his life. He lost his life under there rescuing those boys. We think about that. That is the kind of love that Jesus gives us. It's a rescue mission love. And so he describes this, or we see this, especially from the vantage point of Christmas. We see what this rescue mission looks like. And it starts with the incarnation. It starts with Christ coming to where we are, to our lost state, to our broken world, to our lives that are rebellious. He steps into this world. He becomes like us. One of the most beautiful and succinct description of this is from Philippians 2. Uh, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 9 says, uh, Christ Jesus existed in the form of God, but did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held onto. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. That is the incarnation. That is the the reason, the way that Jesus has come into this world for us. He took on our flesh, our experience, leaving behind for a time all that it meant to be uh, with the, the rest of the Godhead in, uh, in their eternal glory and stepping into this temporal, human, 
experience, and then going farther to becoming a servant. And then, so there's the incarnation, but then part of the love that Jesus gives us is the revelation. As when Jesus became a man, he proclaimed the way to God. He would preach the truth that there is one way that the kingdom of God is coming through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he proclaimed that. And then as he just told uh, the disciples in these verses we read, he says, I am sharing this, the, the knowledge of this mission with you. I'm revealing to you the work that God is doing. So he reveals himself. He says, you are my friends. I tell you the plan so that you can uh, be part of that plan. So there's the incarnation, the revelation, and then salvation. When we think of Christmas, we usually focus in on Jesus as that tiny, precious, innocent baby. But we have to make sure we connect Jesus to the cross, the salvation he brings us, his sacrifice of himself to cover our sin. That is the love that Jesus gives us. That is the love that we receive, the love that came from him laying down his life, not just to show his love. Sometimes people get confused. Jesus came to show God's love. Well, he did show God's love. But he affected something. He worked something. He accomplished something. That is salvation. His death wasn't a display. It was an act of completion of God's plan to redeem his people. And we think about uh, connecting the incarnation and the revelation and salvation. I want to read to you a little bit from uh, this Advent devotional from John Piper called Good News of Great Joy. Uh, I've been reading that this Advent season. There's several parts that really spoke to me deeply, but here is one. It says, Jesus could have been born into a wealthy family. He could have turned stone into bread in the wilderness. He could have called 10,000 angels to its aid in Gethsemane. He could have come down from the cross and saved himself. The question is not what God could do, but what he willed to do. God's will was that though Christ was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. The no vacancy signs over all the motels in Bethlehem were for your sake. For your sake he became poor, 2 Corinthians 8 9. God rules all things, even hotel capacities and available Airbnbs. For the sake of his children. The Calvary Road begins with a no vacancy sign in Bethlehem and ends with the spitting and scoffing of the cross in Jerusalem. The love of Jesus is so much more than maybe we remember at Christmas. Because Jesus is so much more than baby Jesus. Now it's so special and sweet to remember the way Christ came into the world. And and really anyone can kind of get behind the idea of baby Jesus. Anyone can love and be moved by this helpless, precious little newborn, 
wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, surrounded by the, the, the uh, heavenly host and then the earthly ones get, called together to worship him. Anybody can, can appreciate that and believe that. Because he doesn't demand anything from us. He doesn't ask us to follow him. He doesn't uh, call out our sin. He doesn't say things like, there is only one way to God. You can't come to God except through me. He doesn't, he doesn't say, take up your cross. That tiny little baby doesn't say, go and sin no more. So if we only keep Jesus as that tiny baby in our minds and in our hearts, we're missing the whole point. That's not the love that he came. That's the beginning of the love. But the real love is that Jesus came and gave his life as a sacrifice that we might be brought to God through faith in him. Amen. Amen. So this week, as you give gifts and receive gifts from those you love, um, I I pray that we would all remember this ultimate gift that Christ gives us. So because Jesus loves us greatly, now we can love each other deeply. That was the the second part of of what he said. This is my commandment that you love one another. Now, sometimes we might balk at the idea of a commandment. This is my commandment, he says. Well, the commandment is a call to obedience to Christ. And a command... If we're in a harsh situation, it uh, might be difficult to obey. But the command of Jesus to love one another is a command from one who loves us like no other, remember? It's a command of one who knows us, who's walked in our shoes, who has experienced what we've experienced, been in situations like we've been in. And so the command to love one another should spark in us obedience from love. Obedience to the one that we know wants our best. Obedience to the one that we know isn't just telling us what to do, but has, it will walk with us as we do it. And so he says, this is my command, and our obedience is obedience of love. And then he says, as he says, this is my commandment, he's inviting us. It's an invitation, not just a commandment. It's an invitation He says, join in what we are doing. Remember, he said, you are my friends. I'm now showing you what we are at work doing. So join in. Join with what what God is doing. Do you love getting an invitation in the mail? Well, it's probably more like in the email or text these days. I love getting invitations. And maybe you've gotten some this Christmas season. But you get that invitation and it says, we're having a party. Be here this day, this time. Bring this. Come ready to party. Uh, these are the people that are going to be there. And you're looking at the list. Do I want to go hang out with them? I th- okay, I think they're pretty good. Uh, or am I busy that day? Let's see who's coming. We love invitations because an invitation is almost always to something amazing, something good, something enjoyable something moving, something that enriches our lives. This invitation to love one another is not different than that. 
The invitation that, that Christ gives us is an invitation to be part of his family, the family of God, part of uh, the, the people that love him, part of the mission that he's given us to reach people for, for Christ and to share the love of Christ. But it's also a, a relationship. So it's a command, it's an invitation, and it's a relationship because he says, be like me. I've loved you. I want you to be like me and love others. The best way that we can be like someone else is to be close to them, right? To know them intimately so that we can imitate them. We can be like them. And that's what he's, that's what he's inviting us to. He's saying, come, walk with me. Let's have a relationship. Let's know each other. And then you can be like me. Then you can love others as I loved you. I want to give you an example of what it means to, to love. But first, when we think about loving others, as I was thinking about that, this uh, line from a bluegrass song came to mind. Does anybody like bluegrass? You're missing out if you don't like bluegrass. It is what the angels are singing in heaven. <laughs> so there's this bluegrass song uh, by uh, Rhonda Vincent, and it's about loving God and loving your neighbor. And it says, if you don't love your brother, then you don't love God. If you don't love your brother, then you don't love God. That is at the heart of what Jesus is saying. It's not an option. It says, I have loved you greatly. Now it's up to you. Love one another deeply. and Walk with me as we do that. So what does it mean then to love one another? It's part of being the community of faith. Love one another. It means that we know each other, that we go beyond the surface, that we uh, genuinely are interested in each other. We genuinely know each other. We don't just sit on this side of the church and that side of the church and never meet each other. You know, it's, it's still a little humorous to me when people meet each other and they've part, been part of this church for years. And they say, oh, welcome to our church. And they said, no, I've been here for years. Welcome to my church. <laughs> and what it turns out is one has been coming for years to the 9 o'clock service and the other has been coming for years to the 11 o'clock service. Well, here you all are in the same room, so get to know each other. But we need to know each other. We need to, if we're going to love one another, we need to know each other. Go beyond the surface. And the next part is to show each other that love. In other words, put some action to that love. It, it, a love that's words only, James says, is a pointless, worthless love. We need to uh, serve each other in ways that meets needs. Some of that serving happens when we gather on Sundays. There are people right now serving with our kids, our uh, younger kids downstairs. There are people that help set up the coffee. There are people that are greeting. But then all throughout the week, in our community groups, in our various outreach groups, people that are serving and meeting needs. And then that love looks like discipleship, like growing each other. Because getting to know each other and meeting needs are amazing, but they will not have eternal impact if we're not discipling each other. In other words, spiritually encouraging each other in our walk with Christ, impacting each other, one another so that we are growing 
more like Christ, being more faithful, going deeper in the knowledge and the truth of God. I want to uh, share an example of what this looked like in my life. When a church knew me, showed me the love of God, and then helped me grow as a disciple. Uh, when I was uh, around seventh grade, um, we, were, we were really poor. And um, my mom was a single mom, raising the three of us, working. And uh, there was this one Christmas where we, it, it was looking pretty bleak for Christmas. We didn't have extra money. All the money went to the bills. And uh, we had just started going to a, a new church uh, back in the summer before that Christmas. And one day, a couple days before Christmas, we had a knock on the door. And several people from the church came into the house, and they had boxes. They sat on the table, and there were, there were boxes of food and boxes of gifts for us kids. And we didn't, we didn't tell anybody we needed gifts and food. We didn't ask for it. But see, they knew us. They saw into our lives. They knew who we were because they didn't just say hi to us and greet us and be warm and friendly at church. But they went beyond the surface, and they saw who we were. And then they served. They showed us the love of Christ by putting their actions behind that love. And then, because of all that, then they were able to walk with us and our family as we grew in Christ. And some of those people were the most influential people as I became a young man following Jesus. That's what we're talking about. We talk about Jesus says, I have loved you, now you love others. So here as we finish, three steps we can take. We've got one week to end the year, so maybe you can get a start on this. But this is a great way to begin uh, living these principles out this year and next. I want you to identify three people. Because we are... Working for fruit that lasts, Jesus says. Spiritual fruit, eternal impact, fruit that lasts. I want you to to identify three people. One, who you can get to know better. Maybe this is someone uh, that's already in your life. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe even someone in the church you've just met. uh, Or someone at work, at school. Someone you know that you would like to get to know better because God might be working through you. I want you to identify another person to whom you can show kindness. Someone that you know will be blessed by you showing them the love of Christ. It could be a very small thing. Sometimes just a word of kindness, a simple action of kindness, uh, sitting with someone when they look lonely, um, doing a simple act of of a, a chore or uh, some other way of going out of your way to show them love. Identify one person you can show kindness to. And finally, identify one person you can spiritually encourage. Someone that you know is maybe a new believer. Someone you know that's on their path toward believing. Someone that you know has uh, maybe been doubting or struggling with their faith. Maybe even someone that is on fire for Christ, and you just want to add a little more encouragement to them. But by identifying these three people, it's a great start 
for how we can put into practice the love that God has given us through Jesus to receive and that we give to others this Christmas. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for Jesus not only coming to us as this precious little innocent baby as he stepped into our world, but that he became the Savior on that cross, shedding his blood to cover our sins. And now he is reigning victorious. As Isaiah says, he is mighty God. And he has worked our salvation. He has worked the hope. And he gives us the joy and the peace that we need. God, would you in turn move our hearts that we would share love with others in these ways and more? That you would put on our hearts people specifically to whom we can live out this love of Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.